Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez is here. And today I have the privilege of hosting Sherry Palm. She's the founder and CEO of APOPS, the Association for Pelvic Organ Prolapse Support. She's the author of three editions of the award-winning book, Pelvic Organ Prolapse, The Silent Epidemic, a pelvic organ prolapse patient advocate, vaginal and intimate health activist, international recognized speaker, pop key opinion leader, and prolific writer regarding POP, which is the pelvic organ prolapse. We'll be using that acronym, P-O-P. Uh, emotional, social, sexual fitness, and employment quality of life impact. She writes on all of these things. And today we're going to be learning more about pelvic organ prolapse, how it affects folks, why, and what we can do about it. So Sherry, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to be on the podcast with us today. Thank you so much for this opportunity. So I really do appreciate the time to share some information with your following. Absolutely. And and so Sherry, I'm excited for our chat too. Before we dive into your organization, I want to learn more about you and, and what got you started in this healthcare journey. Well, it's a classic case of discovery upon diagnosis with a health condition you've never heard of. I was diagnosed with MS at 30 and had done everything I could to change the dynamic of my own life. I was uh, told I'd be wheelchair bound short time frame. And so I did a lot of a lot of proactive engagement with what I could do to optimize my health. And it worked. What I've done did worked. So moving forward into my mid-50s, I started to notice symptoms. And I was a little curious what those symptoms meant. And I'll give you the, the condensed version of it. I'll keep it kind of tidy for your following. When I would go to the bathroom, I've always worked a 60-hour week. That's my norm. And I'd go to the bathroom to pee and after about three months of noticing a bulge down around my vaginal area, I got a little bit curious and I got a handheld mirror out to take a look to see what was going on down there and discovered a walnut-sized lump. And of course, your brain goes to tumor right away when you think about a right. lump. Uh, so I, was, I wasn't freaking out completely because I had no pain with it. It was just something that was weird and I knew it wasn't normal, so it had to be addressed. So I sent an email to my buddy who happened to be a doctor, lucky me, and she said, come on and we'll do a public exam. Upon examination, she told me very matter-of-factly, you have pelvic organ prolapse, I will fit you with a pessary, and if you're not happy with the pessary, I will recommend a highly skilled urogynecologist to address it from a surgical angle. Well, I never heard of any of those terms before, so I was a little put off, needless to say, but she fitted me for the pessary, which is actually an insertable device that you can put in, like kind of like a diaphragm to support your internal organs. And backdrop is, let me give you the sharp version of prolapse first. It is a condition where if the organs in your pelvic cavity start to move into the vagina and push their way down and out of the vaginal canal, hmm. because your pelvic floor muscle is no longer strong enough or is damaged and cannot support those organs from underneath them anymore. So 
I came home from that appointment and did what most people would do. I hit Dr. Google and asked what up with that and found tons of information about prolapse. And everything that I read said the same thing. It's so common. And my takeaway from that was, how come I've never heard of this before if it's so common? So within a very short time frame, my curiosity turned to anger and frustration, to be honest with you. And I knew that if I didn't know about this condition, that other women didn't know about this condition because I had been so proactive about my health. So I moved into action relatively quickly. I knew that there was only one way to really optimize getting information out to women, and that was to write a book. I didn't have any knowledge about writing books, but it just felt right. Hmm. So I went off in that direction. And within two weeks after I was fitted for that pessary from my doctor, I realized that that wasn't going to work for me. I mean, she did a great job. You, we're as different on the inside as we are on the outside. Mm-hmm. And so when a physician fits a woman for a pessary, sometimes they'll go through two or three or more tries to get the right fit. With me, I was lucky. I had a great doctor. She got the right fit right out of the chute. And I went home and I was happy. I could take it out at nighttime and insert it in the morning. And it worked well for me. It, it provided support for my organs. I was comfortable. But within two weeks of doing that, I recognized that I just didn't have time to deal with that. I have a very active work kind of backdrop. I always have had, and I didn't want to add one more thing to it. It's kind of like, well, you want context. You want to be able to see well, not have glasses on your face, but that's one more thing you have to do. And that's what kind of fits in that same kind of time energy. So I contacted my doctor and I said, well, I'm the pessary works great, but I'm not happy with it. So refer me. So she did. And I went to see my urogynecologist about a month, a little bit more than a month later. And she just described to me what types of prolapse I had. There's five types. I had three of the five types. There's four grades of severity. I was grade three. So I was in a pretty advanced stage of prolapse. So she said that, you know, I could take the summer off. This was in um, January when I saw the Eurogyne. Uh, she said, take the summer off, you know, and, and enjoy yourself and relax, et cetera. And then in fall, we'll do surgery. And I was of the opinion that if you can't fix it yesterday, <laughs> fix it today. <laughs> I just want to get this squared away. So she scheduled me for surgery in February. So I used the time between when I was diagnosed and when I went in for surgery to do my research for the book. And there, there was a 12-week heel curve for me after surgery. This is major surgery. So yeah. I used that time frame to write the book. So when I came out of that heel curve, I was then off scouting for a publisher for the first edition. And I was about maybe 15 months into marketing the book. And of course, I had to go through all the usual stuff people go through when they're first time anything these days, you know, authors or business developers or whatever. You had to learn how to build a website and you have to learn how to do social media and, and all that kind of stuff. So I did all of that. And then about those 15 months into marketing, I recognized that if I wanted to truly help women effectively and guide and support them effectively, I should found a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew nothing about nonprofit world beyond coaching Special Olympics basketball. So that was a whole new pocket for me as well. So lucky for me, Marquette University, I'm in the Milwaukee area, and Marquette University has a great pro bono program that they have to help people develop their 501c3 nonprofits. So I used, I applied, I was accepted, I used their assistance to build the nonprofit. And then it was just a a matter of moving forward after that. So it's evolved over time. We now have, this was in, I founded APOPS in 2010. So we're now, this year we hit the the 10-year mark. And we now have patient following and practitioner following in 177 countries. So grassroots did what grassroots does and spread the word. 
and you know, women find you, they, they Google different terms and they find you and, and they come into our space. So uh, it's been a labor of love and I'm happy with everything that has flowed forward throughout that time frame, except the fact that there is still so much stigma attached to this condition. And it's still difficult for women to talk about out loud. And that's what we're trying to, to tear down now. Wow, that's awesome. Well, thank you for the for the education and your story. It's certainly an area that needs more attention. And thanks to you, Sherry, the information is available. Uh, rather than leave it to the end, I think it's fair to share uh, right now. I'm just given such a, such a topic that, you know, affects so many women. I mean, one out of every two. So yes. 50% of women. 50%. And that, that is an estimate. The reality is, is we won't have any accurate data. You can, you can find data that ranges from 3% to 90% on this condition. We won't have any accurate data until all women are screened during routine public exams because there are so many causal factors for this condition. So, but we use, I use 50, what, 50% all the time. And I do believe in my heart for that to be a relatively accurate figure. If it's not accurate, I would guess that the accurate number is going to be higher, not lower. Wow. Well, you're doing awesome stuff and you're you're bringing awareness, you're providing education, you're providing resources. You know, I think it's it's wonderful all the things that you're doing, Sherry, to to inform women on this very critical issue. And so, you know, I would say, give us some resources around your website. Cause I mean, I was, I was looking at it and it is just, there's so many resources there. Yes. Where should people focus? You know, I, you have videos, you've got, you've got education, you've got the podcasts you've done. Where do people need to go and help, help them navigate this site? That's wonderful. What a great question. So I would, everyone's needs are different because our patient following is mid teens through end of life. It's women. It's all women. So what they're going to look for and value the most is going to differ, obviously. But I highly recommend that two places to start off at would be our POP Info drop-down menu. There's a oh, ton okay. of pages on that, on that section. So much information there. Yes. And, and, and you can just tell by the, the titles of each page if it's going to be what you're looking for, whether you're just looking for basic information or if you're looking for something more specific. Let me, let me read some of them. Pop risk factor questionnaire. How common is pelvic organ prolapse? Patient voice. Mesh questions to ask your physician. Pessary info. Mesh updates. I mean, the list is long. Just for men. There's a just for men there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, fecal incontinence. And it goes on. So, sorry, I just wanted to do that because there, the list is long. And if you or someone you love are going through this or one of your patients is going through this, you know, you're thinking about care management for your organization or your provider. <laughs> like the list goes on, right? Just th- this yes. is a great resource. PelvicOrganProlapseSupport.org. Yes. If you Google APOPS, APOPS, it'll get you straight to the site. That's the easiest way to get there. But sorry, get, getting back to, to the walkthrough here, Sherry, go, please continue. Sure. Okay. Um, the second thing that I would recommend women look at is the Sherry Palm articles, because that's more heart. That's more gut. I, I've been writing for many, many years now, and I don't sit down and intend to write an article. Something hits my gut, and then I write. Mm-hmm. And so if they're looking for that more heart-to-heart personal flavor. The POP info page is a bit more, section is more about, here's here's some basic facts for you. Whereas the articles talk about impact to women's quality of life and, and the stuff that is the more heart-wrenching or gut-wrenching 
aspects of POP. Women in general are impacted in so many ways by this condition that they're, when they come to us, they're typically in, in high states of either anxiety or anger or frustration. And so reading some of those articles may help level that a little bit. And also the videos, we have actually two videos, YouTube video streams. And the older stream you'll find by Googling YouTube plus Sherry Palm. And those are videos I put together several years ago. And, and that has got a, a more of a breakdown between impact to quality of life. And the, the more recent one, and there's links to both of those on our, on our uh, video page on the website. You can find uh, both of those YouTube sections. Uh, the more recent ones are a little bit more from gut, gut feeling again, where it's, here's a more updated version of where we're at right now. And, and I tend to, just like with the articles, with the YouTubes, it's not so much about here's the data. It's more about that, that emotional and physical quality of life impact. And, and I often write and talk about the aspects of impact that don't get this time. The more graphic things that women are just so uncomfortable talking about or admitting to. So for those that are uh, suffering with embarrassing symptoms that are feeling very awkward about it, check out the videos because that helps break that down a little bit and soften it up a little bit. So Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. You know, I, I wonder why it's so taboo. Well, when we think about areas of healthcare that are stigmatized, let's just compare it to breast health, for example. Mm -hmm. If you think back to pre-Coleman days to, let's just say, all of the 60s and before that, but all of the 60s and the early 70s, you could not say the word breast out loud. You could not write the word breast in a magazine article or a newspaper article. So radio stations couldn't say the word breast. And oh, TV really? Stations couldn't, yes. And, and people mm -hmm. don't realize that if they're young enough to, to not have lived through that. So what happened was there was a whole paradigm shift with their movement. And that's what this is. This is a movement as well. If you think about it from the, the male side, erectile dysfunction, we didn't used to be able to talk about that out loud either. And now no one bats an eyelash at it. Women don't care if men take little blue pills. <laughs> they don't care. You know, it's like, you feel good about yourself. Let's have some fun, you know, and, and, and that's the extent of it. So uh, they've normalized that. And the same thing will happen with, with POP. But as of right now, so many won't talk about it. And I'm not talking about just women. I'm talking about those in healthcare. And I'm talking about those in industry that have got devices and products that they're marketing. And they may have websites that share information, but they're not talking a lot about this graphic aspect of this health condition. And that's what has to be done to soften the stigma. We normalize it when we talk about it out loud. So if you're talking about prolapse, we're talking about women often have, well, the main big symptom that all women recognize is tissues bulging out of the vagina. Mm -hmm. Now, who's going to talk about that out loud? Right. Someone's yeah. got to, and I've been doing it, but it's got a long that's way to fair. go yet to open it that's up. Fair. Yeah. So that's a big deal. And women are very stigmatized by that. And, and the impact to self-image is devastating. Yeah. So they think, and women think it's just them because they've never heard of this condition before. Right. So that, Nobody that's, else is going to say, hey, I've got, you know. Yeah, guess what I found? Yeah. And there's also, there's, there's urinary incontinence. There can be fecal incontinence. There's pain with intimacy. These are all areas of, of impact that have got so much stig stigma. And again, the only way we're going to overcome that stigma is by talking about them out loud. That is the bottom line. So I do everything I can to take advantage of this, like this wonderful opportunity to, to talk out loud about this stuff because of the 50%. This is your wife and your mother and your daughter and your sister. And all women need to know this information. They truly, truly do. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful service that you're doing 
for all of the women out there. And, you know, it, it's important that we talk about this and, and normalize it, you know, in our in our day to day. Uh, Sherry, so as we think about like solutions for it, right, it happens. So mm-hmm. what are some of the ways it gets addressed? I mean, I understand there's this device and there's also surgery. Tell us a little bit more about the device. You know, you said some, it takes two to three times to get it right. And then tell us about the surgery. If you could cover that, I'd love to learn more. And I'm sure the listeners would too. Okay. Well, there are both surgical and non-surgical treatments. And there's a, a considerable number of each. This isn't a single item on either column. So with the, the pestry like I had, that is actually, it's, it's a... What is the pestry? Like, what is a pestry? Picture, well, they're probably too young to remember what a, what a diaphragm is. <laughs> um, it's a circular device that I shouldn't say, it isn't just circular. There's about 20 different sizes and not sizes, but types of pestries. Because again, we're as different on the inside as we are on the outside. And because women experience five different types of prolapse, that the support that they need on the inside is going to be a bit unique because what happens with prolapse as those organs shift out of their normal positions, the gap that is where you insert the pessary up into, because it goes up into the vagina, that gap is a different shape and a different size. Got it. So they have to be sized individually. So that is one device and they, they work fantastic for some women. Some women are fitted for pessary and they get the right size and shape and type and they use them for the rest of their lives. They don't even want to have surgery. So they're very, very effective and it works. Yes, it works. They have to be used the right way. You have to make sure you're keeping your your, uh, acid flora balance in the vagina healthy and need to be taken out and and clean and so on. But they're a very, very valuable device. There Mm -hmm. are also a lot of fitness programs that women should be engaging in. Most people have heard of Kegel exercises, but when we think about optimizing Mm non-surgical treatments, we need to think about both the pelvic floor being strengthened, which is your Kegels, and the core muscles being strengthened because they work together as a team. And so women can find many different kinds and types of these fitness programs on the computer. Many of them are free. There's also biofeedback, which is something that a physical therapist will provide for you to help understand what muscles are working effectively and which ones are electrical stimulus, the support garments, there's tibial nerve stimulation. There's hormone replacement therapy. There's a ton of different non-surgical options here. And typically women will utilize one or more of those options at the same time. And when we're talking about surgery, I just want to make a little sidebar note here. It's important to see a subspecialist for surgery. And actually, you should see a subspecialist for POP in general. These are, there's gynecology, and then there's OBGYN, and then there's urogynecology. And in urogynecology, urogynecologist addresses POP specifically. That's their area of expertise. So there are many different types of surgeries that they can provide, again, depending on what type of prolapse you're experiencing, type or types, because women often have two or three types at the same time. And and they can do surgery through the vagina, which is called transvaginal. They can do it abdominally as an incision, and they can do it as uh, laparoscopic and robotic. So there are are multiple options. And typically, a surgeon will have an area that they prefer to work in that's their main type of surgery that they provide. And then within the types of surgeries that you could have in each of those individual four sectors, there's a multitude of ways to do these repairs. So, and that's best left, Not patients shouldn't be looking into that. They should leave that to the urogynecologist to make that decision, what's the best way to go for that patient. So lots of options, lots and lots of options. We do find that typically women will utilize a pessary for about two years 
And then she gets tired of the fuss and muss and then moves on to surgery. That's pretty much the norm that we see. Got it. Well, folks, that's the tip of the iceberg on this. You know, there's so many things that you guys and, and, and ladies can learn about. Is it a chronic, is it a chronic disease? Yes, it's definitely classified as a disease. It isn't like a chronic condition. Chronic, right, because you're dealing with it every sure, day. Sure, sure. Right? You're dealing with so, it every day, exactly. Chronic condition. I like the condition word better. Yes. And um, there's there's ways to address it. There's, the, you know, when you have something like this, it's very common. Diabetes, very common, Right. There's ways that we can manage it and to address it kind of more longer term. And so Sherry is just, you know, touching on on some of the things, but there's so many more. And uh, the resource is her website for sure. So make sure you check that out. Also, if this is something that that affects you and and you like what she's doing, there's also an opportunity to, to make a donation uh, on her website. Again, just go to Google and Google APOPS, that's A-P-O-P-S. And there's a place there where you, you go straight to her website. You'll see a top right place to make a donation if you feel like she's making a difference because she is. And, and also to keep yourself informed, uh, whether you're a practitioner or an individual uh, working through this. Sherry, what else would you like to share about the work that you're doing and, and any call outs there that you'd like for us to be thinking about? I do feel that it's important that women recognize that this is not just them. And I, I mentioned that earlier that, that women typically think this is, you know, that they're the only person in the world that's experiencing this. So there's comfort in numbers. There's always been comfort in numbers with any kind of medical condition. So I encourage women that are, are feeling too awkward to share this with the man in their life to just grab that glass of wine or that cup of tea or whatever and, and sit down and start that dialogue, start that conversation. Because men don't understand Women are, are just saying, you know, that, and there's that whole uh, misconception, not tonight, honey, I have a, a headache. And, and that's not really reality. But if a woman's having an embarrassing symptom of a condition, it's very difficult for her to engage in intimacy, especially one that's as graphic as this is. So I encourage women to start the dialogue with their partner about this condition, what they're experiencing. And I encourage men if you're the woman in your life that you have been with for many, many years and you've had a, an active, satisfying sex life with, all of a sudden that, that intimate life just shifts. There's probably a, a health reason behind it. I encourage men to recognize that and to gently ask the right questions. And that's where that article just for men comes in. That's to give you some kind of tips on how to do that, how to engage in that process. So I wanted to share that. And, and for the women that are feeling devastated or anxious or angry or depressed when they're first diagnosed, just know that we see that and listen to that all day, every day in all of APOP spaces. And I'm so, so blessed to get to witness women that come into our space in that state of mind morph into these amazing, beautifully empowered women who are moving forward with their lives because they've found answers for themselves and they now understand it wasn't just them. It's half of the female population. You know, it's it's so great that you're doing this. And, you know, we're certainly lucky to be, uh, you know, helping you share this story. Definitely, we'll do our part. Uh, the podcast will We'll make a donation just to help continue what you're doing because it's so impactful. And uh, we certainly appreciate your message to our, our listeners today. So really, I guess the last thing here from us, Sherry, is what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with you and continue supporting or learning from the work that you're 
you're dedicating your life to? Well, thanks so much for asking that question. So the easiest way to find us again is to Google APOPS, A-P-O-P-S, and that will bring you to our website. If you can also typically find any of our social media feeds by Googling APOPS. So uh, if, if you're not finding what you're looking for, toss my name in there, Sherry Palm, and that will get you to those spaces. We've got a lot of energy on Facebook and LinkedIn for the, the white coat, white collar side. And we share information on Monday through Friday. That's of value to both our patients and to the clinicians who treat them, as well as industry who develops the devices and, and tooling for this condition. So, and we can't forget about the researchers. <laughs> We'd be lost without the researchers. They're priceless too. So, so um, I'm an open book. I'm happy to share information with anyone that's looking for information. And I am delighted to have had this opportunity to connect with you today, Saul. And thank you for mentioning the donation part because the donations are priceless to help us build the programs in the pipeline to help women that we serve. Absolutely. We appreciate you and what you do and, and certainly appreciate the, uh, the education you've given us. Don't be afraid. You know, the call to action is don't be afraid. You're not alone. And uh, there's resources, there's community, and Sherry is uh, is spearheading a lot of that. So Sherry, appreciate you uh, jumping on here to share the message. Thank you so much for the time today, Saul. You have a wonderful afternoon. Hey everyone, Saul Marquez here. Have you launched your podcast already and discovered what a pain it could be to keep up with editing, production, show notes, transcripts, and operations? What if you could turn over the keys to your podcast busy work while you do the fun stuff like expanding your network and taking the industry stage. Let us edit your first episode for free so you can experience the freedom. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.